Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. And boy, you look great. Everybody looks so spring-like and uh, nice and dressed up. And uh, I noticed my uh, peers, my my friends, Jacob and AJ, look how how young and youthful they are. And I thought I was kind of doing good. I wore a colored shirt. And uh, <laughs> this is about the lightest suit I have, so I wore it. It is good to be in God's house today. It's good to worship. Good to be here with you. It's been a busy week in our church. And uh, we have a lot of things. As a family, I want to tell you I appreciate your kindness to our family from the loss of Debbie's dad this week. And, uh, you know, I, we read the, the resurrection story. So what I really want to talk about today is I want you to be aware that Christ is risen. And I want you to know that before you leave, and I want you to understand that. And you heard you heard John's account. We were in the cemetery this morning, and we proclaimed that. But I want you to know that because Christ lives, you live, if you're a believer. That's what I want you to know. Because I think it's very personal. I think we have to, we have to take, we, we can, we got to take the empty tomb, and we got to realize what it means to us. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning from John's gospel, John chapter 11 and a whole lot of verses there goes all the way to verse 44. I'm not going to read them all to you. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to read some and, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about it. But this is Jesus last miracle in the gospel of John. And it would happen to begin his last week of life. And he would demonstrate the power that he had, the power over death. And so when we read this, we know this is for us. That's what he tells us. Let me share it with you. John chapter 11, verse starting in verse 1. Now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death. But it is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. John, Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again. Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered him. He doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. If anyone walks in the night, he does stumble because the light's not in him. He said this and he told them, my, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Boy, that great church. He's on his way to wake him up. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death. They thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Let's go to him. And Thomas called twin said to his fellow disciple, let's go so that we may die with him. And Jesus arrived. He found Lazarus already in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem about two days away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. 
Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha, I know, said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Listen to this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe that? Yes, Lord. She told him, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Let's pray together. Father, God, thank you for your word. Speak clearly through this unworthy servant. Use your power to show us how much you love us and how in your power you've defeated death once and for all. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it's, I think it's very important that we are able to understand the resurrection of Christ, which is a wonderful event, a wonderful, powerful, the greatest event. As AJ said, the greatest, the greatest Easter, the greatest worship we can have in church is to celebrate the resurrection. There, there's not anything better. I, you might like Christmas better. You might like, I don't, I don't know, but I'll tell you as far as Christians go, as far as believers today is the day. This is why we're, we are believers. Paul said that if it weren't for the resurrection, our faith would be in vain. It wouldn't even be worth having. But because Christ is risen, then, then what he said is true and what he's done for us is absolute. We know that. So I think it's worthy that we talk about it. But here we see how the resurrection impacts a person. I, w- I want you to look at the first thing that I want to say. I want to kind of run through some points and make a couple points at the end. Number one, here's Jesus' promise before death. Jesus said, When they told him that his friend Lazarus was sick, understand that Lazarus was a friend. Mary and Martha was a friend. Jesus had been in their home. He had eaten with them. He had had reclined with them. He was a friend. He socialized with them. They were people that he loved. And listen to his promise before death. When they told him that Lazarus was sick, the Lord, Lord, the one that you love is sick. And Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. But it's for the glory of God so that God may be glorified through it. I, I want to tell you today, right off the bat, this is our first promise today for you and me. If you're a believer in Christ, this sickness will not end in death. Whatever sickness, whatever illness, whatever tragedy, what we may pass through death, it won't end in death. It, it won't. That won't be the final solution. Jesus said here, this sickness would, death would be involved in it. They, they thought it was all over in a few moments when he died. They, they thought it was all done. But as far as Jesus was concerned, this sickness will not end in death. And then Jesus said something that's pretty startling. As they were discussing with him about going to Judea, about the danger of that for persecution. And he said, and he told his disciples, let's go. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's fallen asleep. Well, his disciples, they thought, well, Lord, if he's falling asleep, we don't need to travel all the way up there, do we? Because he'll wake up and he's fine. Oh, Jesus said, no, he's dead. You see, in the New Testament, sleep and death are synonymous. I I saw this. I said this at Debbie's father's funeral Thursday. The word sleep is used for death in the New Testament 17 times. In fact, the New Testament writers, to them... Death is sleep. 
because of the New Testament writers had all seen the risen Christ. They'd seen, they'd seen the power that Christ had over resurrection. They knew death, death was, was sleep. It's temporary. It's, it's something that lasts for a season. It goes away. It's some, listen, sleep is something you will look forward to. You welcome. It's not something to fear. Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So don't be afraid of death. It's only sleep. Listen to verse 6. So when they heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all prayed a prayer. We've all begged God. We've been on our knees. We've pled with him. Heal this person that we love. Heal our family member. Heal us. And God's silent. He waits two days. He, he waits He waits two days long enough for Lazarus to die. And and his sisters, you know, they're 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 wondering what what in the world? I mean, we we know Jesus. He's he's a personal friend of ours. Where is he? What's he done? What's what's going on here? But he told us that up top. He said he said this this illness is for the glory of God, so that God may be glorified through it. You know what, church? The faith healers tell you that if you pray a prayer and you don't get an answer, then obviously there's something wrong with your prayer. Or there's something wrong with your faith. Or there's something wrong with your relationship with God. But I will tell you right here, there's nothing wrong with anybody's faith or anybody's relationship. Or there's nothing wrong with any situation. Jesus waited for two days so God could be glorified. He had a reason in it. You and I have to understand, sometimes God waits. And I've, I've pled with God and he waited. And he waited. And he waited. There's no answer. You have to, we have to understand that God's ways aren't our ways. Isaiah says that. I mean, I've read that. I understand that. When I learned that in Sunday school, I thought, boy, that's a great thing. God's ways aren't our ways. But when I pray a prayer and I expect God to answer it, then, then I don't want to hear that God's ways aren't my ways. I want to know that if I ask God, he'll do something that I ask him to do. But church, we've got to understand, sometimes God works things a lot differently than we do. And he loves you and he cares for you just like he loved Lazarus. And he loved those ladies that were his sisters. But he waited two days. That's the reality. That's, that's not television faith. That's the way the world works. That's the way Christ works. And, and he didn't wait to make it difficult on the family. He didn't wait to, to, to do anything except to glorify God. He knew something bigger was going to happen. And he, he would glorify God through that. Sometimes we, we just have to wait on God. And then number two, I want you to know that I, I love this point, uh, Verse 21, also in verse 32, both the sisters came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you'd have been there, our brother wouldn't have died. If you'd only done, if you'd only been there, it, it's ironic. If you look at verse 21 and verse 32, they said almost the same thing. Both of them at different times came up to him. Don't, don't you think they probably talked to each other about, and they probably said to each other, you know, if he'd have been here, well, he wouldn't have died. And it's just that Jesus shows up after he's dead. We've probably said that. Lord, where, where were you? You came too late when my loved one died. Well, we got that 
devastating diagnosis from the doctor. You, you waited. You weren't there. When our marriage was dissolved, when our parents divorced, when our children left home, you, you fill in the blanks. All kinds of things. But we're reminded that Jesus said that this sickness won't end in death because God's going to be glorified to tell you, going to be glorified through it. I'm really sorry to tell you, but it's not all about me and you. You know, I wish it were about me. I wish, I wish I could pray any prayer and God would answer it. Wouldn't that be a great thing? I mean, our church, we wouldn't be, we would have 10 services a day here on Sunday morning. We couldn't get enough people in here. If we prayed a prayer and got what we wanted, well, I'll tell you, there are people that claim that and it's so far from biblical truth because God, like I said, he works a different plan. He has different timing, but church, let me tell you, God's timing's impeccable. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has a plan. And let, let me say this. He knows you far, and knows me far better than we know ourselves. I mean, I think I know myself. God knows me a lot better. You probably think you know yourself and God knows you a lot better. And I will tell you this, that God loves you a lot more than you think he does. In fact, God loves you more. He loves you more than the, the person that loves you the most in the world. Might be your spouse, might be your parents, might be your children. For some of us, it might be our dog, whatever. God, you know, our dogs love us. But God loves you more. That's his nature. He loves you more than you can imagine. So whenever he waits, whenever he doesn't answer a prayer the way we want him, whenever God tarries, we know that his timing is impeccable. We just have to trust God. Christ is always there for us. You know, that, that's, that's the thing that, that we learn. And you say, well, you know, and I, and I think in the midst of all this, Jim, okay, you started off real good here. You got two, two points and they're both about how uncertain life is. But let me tell you, God's very certain. And, and what we're going to learn in just a minute is we can't trust the circumstances of life or we can't trust the things that are going on in life and we can't trust the things around us, but we can trust God absolutely. We know that he loves us and we know that he cares for us and we know that he's given us promises that he never, ever takes away. And that's what we rest in. Number three, Jesus promises to defeat death. This is what I've been looking forward to. I've been looking forward to this all week. In fact, for three weeks, I've been thinking about this verse. And I said, boy, I could just about do the whole sermon on this verse. If you couldn't do a whole sermon on this verse, AJ, you can't preach. But I'm not going to do a whole sermon on this verse. So I guess I can't preach, but it's all right. Listen to this. Jesus said to her, she, she asked, she, she was, she, you know, Martha, she said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that anything you ask from God, he's going to give you. Cause she had this kind of faith that she knew that if I just ask God for something, he'll give it. And then Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And then Martha goes immediately to the future because she, she is a good Jewish person thought about the resurrection. She says, oh yes, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. I, yeah, I know you got that thing. You're up. I got that. She didn't fully understand the resurrection of Jesus or the resurrection of the believers. And she didn't fully grasp that idea, but she grasped. The Old Testament concept of the resurrection. She, she had a faith to do that. And Jesus stopped her cold and he said, I, I, I'm going to say this to you. Listen to me. Look at me. Hear this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. 
Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Will never die. That, and, and then, uh, listen, this is a, if you're a teacher out there, here's a double negative. Will never die. Ever. Ever. For emphasis. In case you didn't get it. In case you think you might die for a little time. You won't die. Do you believe this? There's, there's two promises here. You, you gotta, you gotta hear them. They're, they're very, very important to us. They're not redundant. Listen to what they are. The one who believes in Jesus will live even if he dies because Christ will raise him up. So even if we die, even if we're, even if we pass away before Christ returns, if, if we die, we will live again. And then the second one, the one who lives and believes in Jesus has eternal life and will never die. And you say, Jim, I don't understand that. We, we go to funerals every week. We read the names of 10 people in our church that since last Easter have passed away. They have died. But do you know what the Bible teaches us? They haven't died at all. They're not dead. Their spirits are with the Lord. The Bible tells us that if we are absent in the body, we're present with the Lord. It's, it's not like we go to the grave and we sleep for a while. The body sleeps. The body, whether it's in the grave or in the urn or in the ocean or wherever it is, the body, the body sleeps. But the soul is alive with God. When you leave this life, your last breath in this world, your next breath will be in the presence of God. That's how fast it is. You will never die. That's the promise that Jesus gives you right here. We will never die ever. Do you get that church? You, you got the whole sermon right there. If you got that, you can leave. Because that is everything for me and you. That's everything. That's everything. And when you stand at a bedside of a loved one who's dying from cancer or dying from an illness or dying from old age or dying from whatever, you can look at them and if they're a believer in Christ, you can say you will pass from this world to the presence of God when you breathe your last breath. Don't slow that process down. And I'll tell you, I believe when we meet our our loved ones again in heaven, they're going to say, what in the world did you send me to the doctor all those times? Why did you do that? Because I just, I, I think sometimes our, our view is so worldly. You know, we love our family so much. We don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose our parents. We don't lose our spouse. Oh my goodness, we don't want to lose our children. But if we knew where they were going, we'd send them off with a party. Jesus said, we will never die. He will never die. That's your promise. If, if your body dies before he comes back, you will live again. And then the promise, you will never ever die. That's what he says. Jesus said, I'm the source of the light of the resurrection. He is the resurrection. We see Jacob read the story in John. All four gospels give us that. Jesus walked out of the grave. He defeated death once and for all. It couldn't hold him a grave, a stone, a crucifixion, a Roman government. None of that held Jesus. And it doesn't hold him for us. And when he came back, 
He came back with a resurrected body. Everybody wants to know what the resurrected body's like. Just look at Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the first fruit. He's the first, he's the first harvest of the resurrection. There will be more harvest to come. That's where we fall in. His body was, was alive. It was well. It was, it, it was recognizable. He sat down. Oh my goodness. He sat down, had breakfast, fixed breakfast for his disciples in a resurrected body. I think we'll fellowship with our loved ones in heaven. Don't you? And that's exactly what Jesus shows us. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the source of it. Martha, don't worry about death. Don't worry about your brother. Don't worry about I should have been here or should have been there. I am the resurrection source. It comes from me. Don't worry about that. I got it. I got it. Eternal life will never be extinguished by physical death. Never. The Bible is, the emphasis is there. Listen to it one more time before I go on. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die ever. Please get that church. Don't go home and say, well, I'm not real sure if that means we're going to die and go sleep in the grave. And I don't know what I'm going to do. You're not going to die and go to the grave. Your body will go to the grave. You're going to go in the presence of God. Know that. Know that. That's what the Bible says. We can trust it. Number four. Martha had imperfect faith. I love Martha. She had imperfect faith. She's just like me. I think my faith is right here. She's really great. Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God who's to come into the world. Martha got the whole thing. I mean, she, that's Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Son of God to come into the world. Martha understood that. I appreciate Martha's faith. You know, I can spout to you today. I can come to you today and tell you, great faith and then when I face a trial then immediately I have a doubt I say Lord if you'd only been there I would have been okay if you'd only been there my loved one would have been okay where were you there there goes my faith right out the window Jesus probably looked at Martha and patted her on the head say Martha you just remember who I am just don't worry about this over over there in verse uh, 39 Jesus, when he's getting ready to do the miracle, he says, take the stone away. Martha runs up to him and says, oh, Lord, he he already stinks. He's been in the grave four days. I mean, Jesus had just told her he's the resurrection and the life. Just told her that he would never die. She had just made the most wonderful profession and said, you are the Messiah, the son of God that God sent to the world. And now she's worried about her brother going to smell because he's been in the grave. There goes her faith right out the window. And you know what? We're all like that, aren't we? I mean, we all know this right here today. We're all raise our hands, praise God, glory filled with the resurrection. And we sit in an emergency room or we sit in a hospice room or we sit in a surgical waiting area. Our, our faith is, God, how, how can you work this out? How, how is this going to be? If you don't heal this person I love, what, what are we going to do? The promise is still there, church. That's why I wanted to preach a sermon to you this morning because I wanted you to know that wherever you are, you can take this promise with you. It works right here in this church. It works in the quiet of your home. It works in an ER when the doctor stands there and says, there's not anything else we can do. You can look up at him and says, yes, but my loved one's a believer and Christ is the resurrection and the life. We have no fear here. That's what you have. That's how powerful and how potent this message is. For us, why we need it so bad. Number five, 
I want you to notice that death angers Jesus. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Twice in this passage, Jesus is angered by death. Over in verse 32. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. There, There's Mary's version of that. And Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying and he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Where have you put him? He asked him. Have you ever wondered why Jesus is angry? Same word over there in, uh, in uh, verse 38. The same Greek word not used very much in the, in the New Testament. Verse 38. Then Jesus angry in himself again came to the tomb. It was a cave. Why, why would Jesus be angry? You know, I think he's angry. And the Bible doesn't tell you, tell us what he's angry about. He, he's probably angry because all these mourners are there and they're all emotional and everybody all screaming and crying. And, and Jesus saying, look, the resurrection and the life is right here. What are you crying about? Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe he cries just over the injustice of sin because you know, the wage of sin is death. Death is there because of our sin. And so Jesus may well have been angry at sin. The sin that causes all of this. You, you know the Bible promises a time, and if you ever come to a funeral in this church, you're probably going to hear it at a, at a time when there's a new age, when the former things have passed away, where there's no more death or grief or crying or pain because all of those things are gone. Can you imagine a place where all of those things are gone? That's what eternity with Christ is. And that's the time when death is gone. When sin is gone. It's been eradicated. But here he is. Jesus is seeing the full fruit of sin. He's seeing the death of a friend that he loves and cares for. He's seeing the grief that causes his sisters. He's seeing all the emotional hubris around him. He's seeing all the things. And, and his spirit's angry about it. He's probably, probably ready to stamp it out once and for all. A few days he's going to pay the price on the cross. And then you and I, we have no fear of death. That's, that's a great thing. So we saw Christ's anger. And in verse 37, we see the shortest, uh, excuse me, verse 35, we see the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. I've, I've wondered about this verse. There are volumes of things written about this verse. You can read all kinds of things why Jesus wept. But you know what I think it says to us? And you know, here's Jesus who's who is God and who is man, he understands the universe as God. He has the full knowledge that God would have. He knows all that has happened in history. He was there at the creation of the world. He Nothing was created without him. He saw all of it. He knew, knows you, knows everything about you. He had all of that knowledge right there as a man. But as a man, he saw the pain that death caused. Even there, even knowing that he would end it, even... Knowing, man, one writer said, I love this. This is my favorite one. My favorite one was this. One said he was weeping for Lazarus because he was getting ready to bring Lazarus out of heaven. <laughs> How about that? Jesus had been to heaven. That's where he came from, you know. And so when he would call Lazarus out of the grave, he would call him back from heaven. Probably didn't do Lazarus any favors. But I think Jesus wept for us. He understands us. When, when you're when you're grieving and you're weeping and when your heart is broken, you can go to Christ. He knows you. He loves you. Know that, church. Know that. Know that you can go to him when you have nothing to pray. And he knows what to pray for you.
He knows what to say for you. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit of God does for for believers. It intercedes on our behalf. It intercedes. It steps in when we can't do it. He loves us. Jesus wept. I think it's I think it's one of the most tender, most wonderful verses in the whole Bible. And then finally, Jesus defeats death. Number seven. Jeff, I see you back there. I guess you're wondering why I have seven points. Big, long scripture. <laughs> let, me read, let me read verse uh, 38 for you. I've already read that. Jesus, angry at himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lying against it. Remove the stone, he said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he already stinks. It's been four days. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so they may believe you sent me. And after this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. What a great passage of scripture right here. The prayer. Jesus is not asking God to raise Lazarus. He's thanking God for what he's already going to do. Because Jesus, you see, prayed the prayers that are within the will of God. Sometimes we pray, many times we pray prayers that are not lined up with the will of God. Sometimes God grants what we want. Sometimes God changes us. Here Jesus is telling us he's in perfect alignment with the will of God. Whatever God wants, it's what he wants. He asked a prayer, prayed a prayer, and and he and God granted it. And now he's saying, God, thank you for this. And I'm glad we can get to do it in front of everybody so they can see the whole thing. There's a lot of people said, I've read, when you, when you study this passage, you know, uh, theologians and scholars, they, 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 uh, they think about these things. And uh, they said, well, why would they get all these people to roll the stone away? I think Jesus, you know, all these scholars said they, so they would be so close to it, they would know exactly what happened. They, they couldn't ever say, well, I don't believe that happened. Yeah, they rolled the stone away. They saw him walk out. He walked right by them. And he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The church father, Augustine, said that if Jesus had not said Lazarus' name, every tomb in the cemetery would have been empty. They'd all would have walked out. Because that's his power over death. He directed it at Lazarus to Lazarus to come out. He walked out of the tomb. Been dead four days. We would consider that an impossibility. Now, I understand resuscitation. I, I've seen that and been a part of that. I understand what that's like. And, and this ain't resuscitation. Way past that. Jesus has taken somebody that nobody in the world would deny that they're dead. Because they already smell bad. And he raised them, brought life back into them. And Lazarus' problem now, he's got to get all these grave cloths off of him. That he can't walk and he can't see and he can't move because they wrapped him like a mummy. You see, Jesus defeated death. So, what does that mean for us? And I got a couple of things. I got three or four. I got time. I, I want you to hear this, church. I want you to hear this. God's love for me and you is not a pampering love. God doesn't always do what we want him to do. Oh, I wish he did. And I know you wish he did. But, but the fact that he loves us and that we love him is no guarantee that we are spared from the problems and pain of this world. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world. But 
I've overcome the world. Don't worry about your trouble. And you say, Jim, what possible good can all this trouble and all this death and all this disease? I'll tell you what it does. It draws a lot of us to the cross. There are a lot of people that are proud and independent and they're self-sufficient and they're doing great. I've been right there. I will tell you the illness of a close family member who is dying will draw you immediately to the cross because you have no other place to go. And God has taught me some of the greatest lessons that I have learned in the midst of grief and death in my own family. So I will tell you, God can teach great things. And his desire for us is to make us perfect for eternity, not to make us happy here on earth. A place that we will only spend a fraction of our eternity in. So just know that, that God's love is not a pampering love. Know also that God could have, Jesus could have prevented Lazarus' sickness, but he chose not to. He could have, he could have stopped the whole thing. But he, he wanted God glorified in the process. Many, many times Christians are, they glorify God in the process of their death and suffering. And, and they show others what real faith looks like because a lot of people walk away from that and say, boy, look at how he faces, look at how she faces that. Jesus took the whole doctrine of the resurrection and he made it real person on himself. Because now when we read the resurrection story, I want you to also think about the story of Lazarus and and recognize that Jesus' resurrection a few days later just shows God's power over death. That death has no sway over him. And and you got to hear that because today everybody's dressed nice. We've got the pretty flowers. Everything's good. But one day we're going to be sitting here in a time broken grief. And you got to remember that those promises are just as true then as they are now. Jesus took the resurrection and he put it. He, he gave it a name. He said, I am the resurrection. When we know Christ by our faith, we have no fear of the shadow of death. None. We might be uncertain about it. We might be a little bit uncomfortable. We might fight it off. I'm good with going to the doctors. I think you ought to go to the doctor. You ought to do all this stuff. But I will tell you that the minute you go into heaven, you will wish you never went to a doctor. Because there's no advantage in this earth over heaven. The only thing you want to do is have your loved ones with you. So what does it mean for us? I saw a really great illustration that meant a lot to me. Catherine Marshall wrote in her book years ago, Beyond Ourselves. She tells of a friend whose teenage son died of diabetes months before insulin was invented. Isn't that sad? Sensing his own death, a little young boy who was about 12 years old asked his mom, What? What is it like to die? Can you imagine his parent being asked that question? What is it like to die? She said she didn't know. She ran into the kitchen pretending she had some menial task in there. And there she went to her knees and sought God's counsel to the toughest question a mom could ever be asked. What's it like to die? She said God did tell her. And here was her answer. She said, you know how when you were, when you were a little tiny boy, you would play hard all day and come in at night, you were so tired to undress that you would tumble into mom's bed and fall asleep. Do you remember that? And he said, yeah, I do. He said, that wasn't your bed. It's not where you belong. And you only stayed there for a little while. In the morning, to your surprise, you would wake up in your own bed in your own room. You were there because someone who loved you very much, that was your father, came in with his gentle, strong arms and he carried you away and took you to bed. And she, she said, I told him death was just like that. 
that some morning we wake up and we find ourselves in another room. In a room where we belong. And we will be there because God who loved us more than any of our human fathers or mothers loves us. Took care of us and tenderly carried us to his place. How about that? And imagine this. After that, Kenneth had no more fear of death. Church, you should have no fear of death today. If you are a believer in Christ, he has defeated death once and for all. He walked out of the tomb, made it, was alive, alive forever. And before that, he he showed the power of resurrection in people like us. But you've got to be a believer in Christ. That's the most important question you have. I assure you that the moment after you die, that's the only thing that's going to matter. Today, I, I want to ask you that. Do you trust Christ? Have you trusted him? Have you given your life to him? Have you said, Lord, I, I need you on my side. I need to have this assurance in my life. There's not anything you have to do to work for it, earn it. He did all of that for you. He went to the cross. He covered all of your sin. You just have to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you into my life. And then you then you follow him. It's not a simple matter of a decision. It's a, it's a relationship. But it's coming to him. It starts with a decision to follow him, to trust him. I, I followed Christ when I was 12 years old. He's been teaching me ever since, every day. Don't think you ever get there. But have you come to Christ? Do you know him personally? I don't care if you go to church. You've been a member here. You, you've never been here. I don't, it doesn't matter. That's not the question. Do you trust Christ? Do you know that if you go to the presence of God today that you'll be in heaven? Do you know that? Christ will give you that assurance. We're going to have a time of invitation and I invite you to come. Maybe you need to come today and pray for somebody in your family or pray pray that God will work powerfully in our community or pray that this Easter, that resurrection hope will break out with people that you need. Maybe there are people that you know need this message and need hope in their life. See, it's not a message for me. I'm not a very good preacher. But this is a word right here that will last everybody for eternity. That's what you need to hear. We're going to stand. You come as God leads you this morning.